Hello, Internet, and welcome to the very first actual episode of Kingdom Hearts Coast to Coast. Uh, and we are already in, I think, true Kingdom Hearts appropriate fashion, uh, breaking uh, the 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 traditions that we've set up because right now today uh, it is not in fact Kingdom Hearts Coast Two Coast it's Kingdom Hearts One Coast uh, both myself uh, Justin and and Madison uh, are here in the same room recording uh, this episode together so if the audio quality sounds kind of different than usual. That's why. Same coast, same room, same microphone, same game. That's right. Um, so that's cool. That's that's an exciting and uh, and unique opportunity for us. In this episode, we're gonna uh, just break off the start of this game and tear right into it. We are gonna go uh, start uh, our journey through the original Kingdom Hearts. Uh, with this episode, and um, yeah, I'm 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 really excited to be doing this. Uh, I I really enjoyed revisiting this part of the game. What? How how did you feel about you know starting the game and and experiencing these initial you know stages of it again? Well, the game really starts off on a great foot with this sick as heck music video. Oh my god! By Utada Hikaru, who is a <laughs> renowned Japanese pop star in her own right but was really brought into the English-speaking consciousness, I think, mm. with this game. Absolutely. It's such a cool song and music. Yeah. It blew my brain when I was, like, 11 or whatever yeah, yeah. playing this. It yeah. looks good. It's got the really cool aesthetic and mm. trippy stuff going on. Yeah, so this is Simple and Clean, which is sort of the, I feel like, the iconic Kingdom Hearts song. Um, you know, it... Uh, the the melody from it uh, is actually used in the score for the game as well. It's a you know fundamentally inseparable from Kingdom Hearts, and uh, this really I think is an amazing way for the game to start. Um, with yeah, like you said, essentially a music video for the song. We've seen had seen a lot of games, especially the JRPG type, start off with some big cinematic yeah, storytelling. Yeah. But I don't think many quite like this. I think maybe the closest is the opening for what we knew in the U.S. as Final Fantasy VI, mm. which starts off with a, a musical sequence. Yeah, it is starts. That right? Yeah, that's that's the one. It starts off with um, you know, kind of like an opening credits, as if it was like a movie, basically, with these big uh, mecha walking through the snow while a kind of a unique piece of music plays. And, uh, yeah, that was, I think that and also the opening from Final Fantasy VIII, which in in some ways is actually quite similar to this, you know, this piece of music uh, over this, like, kind of, um, uh, you know, like, collage of scenes that will happen throughout that game uh, that's sort of supposed to just, like, set a tone more than anything else. And I think that this accomplishes that really well, simple and clean, and this this kind of trippy, um, you know, kind of dream sequence music video uh, of the main character, Sora, kind of falling through the sky and seeing his friends and being swept up into the ocean. And um, yeah, it's just it's just super cool. It still plays really well. Um, and I think, so an interesting thing about this game that I hadn't really thought about before is... Um, at the time, uh, Squaresoft's games were known for the, having these like really beautifully produced cinematic uh, CG cutscenes, and um, this game actually only has two. It's got this one at the beginning here, and then it's got the game's ending, and everything else beyond this is rendered with the game with with the game's in-game graphics. So this is really kind of you know, a type of spectacle that the game isn't really going to indulge in again, exactly. It'll have its own uh, completely, you know, grand spectacle in other ways, but but uh, this is this is the only, you know, kind of moment where it does that sort of traditional, here's a really high-quality rendered CG cutscene that looks a lot uh, better than the game itself is going to look. And I think it uses it to really, really good effect. It's really good. It, this music video and the the sequence that comprises the tutorial, they uh-huh. really set a good tone for the game that is important. It's important for the player, I think, to understand that this is like a, 
a very emotional mm. kind of like metaphorical game mm -hmm. that's going on and like the the things that happen in this music video and later on really let us know not to th take everything so literally. Yeah, right. And so as the music video ends, Sora finds himself falling through darkness and landing on this giant um, stained glass circle depicting... Uh, is it is it Snow White? I believe it, the first one is Snow White. Yeah, yes. depicting Snow White. And that is a really striking image to see this, like, Tetsuya Nomura, you know, anime boy, you know, kind of juxtaposed with this piece of really beautiful, like, very classic Disney iconography. And there's this cool kind of echo effect as the song fades out and, uh, you know, the, the these kind of birds fly away from from the uh the stained glass revealing the the image and then you're in it you're in the game and the tutorial starts with a disembodied voice that we'll hear a few times throughout the game that you can only see uh the only way it's depicted as is as text appearing on the screen there's no actual voice to go along with this um kind of telling Sora to be calm and to to you know not not be afraid right now then the game goes ahead and teaches you some basic stuff that uh, is honestly probably a bit unnecessary as far as like a tutorial goes. Like move this, move the control stick to to move your character, and you know press press circle to jump. Um, and you know it's it's interesting because this is I think you can kind of tell that this feels like it's like the first game with this kind of control setup that that these people have tried to make which isn't you know it's probably not necessarily exactly true but i think they might think that if you were coming to this mainly being a fan of like their turn-based rpgs you might not have a lot of familiarity with playing what's essentially going to be like kind of a 3d platform game so they're trying to take it really slow at the start here to teach you how to control this game it is interesting to contrast the way this game teaches you how to move and play it with super mario world yeah is that super mario 64 yeah yeah which it was um as we talked about in the last episode it was kind of a intentional rival to right whereas super mario 64 just throws you into it and mm -hmm. the really good controls just kind of speak for themselves yeah this game takes a minute more to like make sure you know and it seems a little more hesitant well and also i'm not sure i'm still not 100 percent sure why they made a few of these control choices that they, they did uh particularly deciding to have uh you press the circle button to jump which is kind of strange. It's like you have to actually move your thumb off of the confirm button that you know you're going to be using for the most part to jump, uh, which which is is a weird choice that you know they would stick with. Like they never really changed that in any other additional Kingdom Hearts games that they made after this. But it's it's odd, and nobody else really does it this way. And we can kind of see why because it it's does not, not great. Work it so doesn't well. feel that good. Yeah, the platforming elements of this game, which we we will see some of in the first <laughs> level, yeah, are uh, are not not really what one might call fun in the traditional sense. Not really, and certainly not here in the year 2019. No. Uh, they were more fun, I will say, in 2002 when the game came out. It was certainly more of a novelty, and the way this game is set up, which we, we don't see so much of in the tutorial <sighs> levels, but in the Destiny Island part, we can see a lot of interacting with the environment and yeah. kind of moving things around, and that all felt very novel. And for sure, yeah. In, in the year that this yeah, no, uh, no, no question about that for sure. So you go through the tutorial. There's some choices you have to make. Mm -hmm. um, the game wants you to to set up how you want to play the game, which is another thing that's a little bit unusual about this game and hard to appreciate when you're playing it. I think the first choice that you're asked to make is that the disembodied voice offers you a choice between a shield, a sword, and a magic wand, mm -hmm. which is all kind of Mickey-themed. Yeah. And you're asked to choose one and sacrifice another. Um, there are some ramifications for this choice, which are kind of like... I, you, it, it, it is something that the game communicates to you, but not really what those choices are or what it means it uh 
It does establish your starting stats. Okay. I yeah, I was never a hundred percent clear on what some of these choices do. I think these ones are are relatively straightforward. This first round of them, but there's some other choices that they'll have you make. There are some choices seem, that we see soon that are a little a bit more strange, obscure to me. Yeah. So the. From what I can see from my research, there seems to be some contentious that kind of... There's no best choice, but it's good to pick the shield and give up the sword. Uh Uh-huh. Which I I think is what I usually do. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense because you are going to need... You know, does it does that change your defense stat or your starting HP? I believe it changes your starting HP. Okay, which, which is, is the thing you important. really need. And honestly, given how combat focused the game is, you're gonna be getting you know things that will improve that stat on their own. Yeah. So that does also make some sense. Um, so you you get that, and then you use the item that you picked as your weapon during this tutorial. Yeah, some uh, shadows. Your your shadow, Sora's shadow, kind of turns into the first of uh, the enemies that you'll see in the game, the Heartless. And uh, gosh, I just love these little guys. They are oh, so cute. The the initial sort of like foot soldier Heartless, who are just like these black bug things with big yellow eyes. They're just called um, shadows. Yeah, they sure are cute. I sh- I love these guys. Yeah, when I was a kid especially. They're kind of like a combination ant baby doll. Yeah, right. Aesthetic. I think that you know, like I I am gonna go to bat pretty strongly for. The character designs in this game. I think that the human characters, for the most part, look good, and I think the monsters pretty much all look amazing. There's some quibbles I will have with the way some of these things are actually represented in the game itself, but I think for the most part, uh, there's a really cool, very distinctive look to all of this that does a good job of of sort of blending the Disney and the the kind of JRPG style, like, you know, Nomura style influence um, into into something that feels not really quite like either one, but really cohesive and good. Absolutely. They all look good and memorable, and they all, I think, look very good in 3D spaces. Yeah, well. yeah, that's really important. Yeah. Uh, they're not over-designed in any case. Yes. So. <laughs> so you fight through a few of these little shadow guys who are great and perfect, and then you move through a doorway which appears in the middle of the room and you you have some more instruction on how to move through the world and you see some other stained glass portraits of the Disney princesses and then you move through a door that you see some kind of flash of light and you're in somewhere completely different Mm -hmm. and as we'll learn this is Sora's home Yeah, and we see his friends who are younger versions of some characters that we know and love from uh, other Final Fantasy games. Yep. Uh, there's three of them here. Uh, there is uh, Waka uh, from Final Fantasy X. There is Tidus. Tidus. Uh, He's called Tidus in this game from Final Fantasy X. We never got to hear his name spoken in Final we Fantasy X because you get to name your main character. Yeah, and they... they his name is Tidus. It is Tidus. I've been I've been given to understand that this is the case, and, and I, don't like I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And uh, there's also Selfie from Final Fantasy VIII, yes. uh, which is kind of a random pull, I feel like. But she's a good, she, she's a fun character that I'm, I'm always happy to see pop up somewhere. Yes. Um, even though in this game, they've rendered her with this bizarre cat mouth that I do not like at all. It's a little odd. It's She's cute. She is cute. No, so this is a thing that, um, you know, is, is, is sort of interesting about this game. There are kind of two different main versions of the character like speaking animation that you'll see throughout this game um major important cutscenes use a really well animated fully mobile mouth for the characters that clearly has been like effectively lip synced to the english dialogue um but a lot of scenes use just this kind of texture that's been pasted onto the mouth area of the character's face it just kind of flaps randomly um it's kind of like the um the character the the speaking um uh animation for the playstation one Mega Man legends games sometimes it works a lot of times it looks really weird and the the initial scenes here with these final fantasy characters uh, yeah, they. I, I don't think they're actually 
There, there's no voice dialogue in this scene. This That's game right. does switch back and forth between just using text boxes and 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 actually like having voice dialogue. But there is voice dialogue for these characters, and they all look strange. Giving it yes, there is. And this first scene with them really didn't need any help to be strange because it's we see that this is some kind of dream, dream sequence pod people. Yeah. Speaking for the voice of the universe, mm-hmm. uh, where your three friends, Waka, Titus, and Selfie, ask you some really strangely probing questions. Yeah. That um, that also do affect how your gameplay will go, and they they seem and, to be very personal. And this is the one I've never understood. What do these choices do? These choices affect the rate at which you level up throughout the game. Okay. So if the choices that you make have a, a, a summary of starting your journey in the morning, you will level up rapidly for your first 50 levels. Okay. And then level up more slowly for the next 50 or 49, I suppose. Yeah. If you choose the ones for midday, then you level up at the same rate throughout the game. And if you choose the ones that end up with midnight, then you level up more quickly at the end of the game. Is there one of these that's considered better? I don't think so, but... It, or I, I don't think necessarily there's one that's better. I think there, in my opinion, there is one that makes more sense, which is to have yourself level up more quickly at the beginning. Sure. I mean, because you could conceivably beat the game by level 50. You could be done so. with the game by then and like, just unless, have the rapid level up. Unless you really want to fight Sephiroth, right. there's not really a lot of reasons to go all the way up to level 99. Yes, so that's that's my recommendation for you, listener. Okay, that makes sense to me, too. So you get done with that sequence of you talking to your creepy friends, and then you're back in the stained glass, never wear a place, and you are challenged by your own shadow, which grows and grows and grows into a large towering monster in yep. the vague shape of you with it the heart in it. Yep, it looks like it's wearing a cool scarf as well. It, it does, which it's is very nice. fashionable. Um, and you fight it. Uh, this is the first glimpse of kind of what a lot of boss fights in this game are going to be like, um, which, you know, basically relies on you kind of targeting a specific part of the boss and sort of wailing away at it. Um, and then, you know, trying to dodge projectiles, dodge sort of mobs of enemies that it generates, and... Uh, and maybe collect health from the and, mobs. Yeah, that's right. And um, it's a pretty good fight. I think this is a fun, you know, first, like, initial, you know, proper combat for the game to give you. It's good. It doesn't last too long. It all feels pretty intuitive. Yeah, it's uh, very ominous. To do. It uh, is also quite spooky. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, once this is done... Sora wakes up. Uh-oh, what's going on? He's on the Destiny Island uh, with his friends, Riku and Kairi. And Kairi, uh, I'm going to say, her character model, like her in-game character model is real bad. She looks like a Bratz doll. She does look um, a little like, bit like Her Bratz character doll. design, like when you see it in like the CG cutscenes, or, um, you know, when you just see like art of her that's that that appears in the game she looks fine but the way that like the 3d model for her works and especially when it's got the the kind of flapping mouth animation like what i was talking about before ooh, it's not great it doesn't look that good no there's something just a little bit off about it that doesn't come through so badly in the um riku and kairi riku and sora models yeah they look they look just fine i think maybe it's the hair. I think maybe having more hair that goes sort of around the head yeah, makes that the, the heads look better. Makes the little the twig neck yeah. not so bad. But, um, so Sora's been sleeping on the job. Uh, he was supposed to be helping them build a raft, and uh, he just fell asleep and had a weird dream uh, about darkness, and his friends asking him uh, weirdly probing questions. As you do. As you do. Uh, but now he's awake again, and he is going to be back to to collecting stuff to help build this raft. This very sturdy and seaworthy raft that yeah. these young that these, kids... These, like, tweens are going to be using to try to leave this island chain that they seem to live on. And as far as we can tell, there is nothing in any direction no, from them. No, no. 
they certainly don't know where they're trying to go. All yeah. they know, as we'll find out, is that Kyrie used to be somewhere else, and now she lives here on Destiny Island. And that means there must be some other place, which what they refer to as worlds. Yeah, it's really like strange that it's it's really strange that they've just assumed not even like a flat Earth thing here. They've assumed, oh, this is the only this island that we live on is the only thing that exists in this world. And if we are going to find anything else, it's going to be a whole other world. This may it's be so an artifact st- of the translation. I don't uh-huh. know if Japanese has some kind of word that means like place and world uh-huh. and home or something. It's entirely possible. It's a really strange energy to this. All of this stuff has a a very strange energy here. Like, it feels... I mean, these kids are definitely gonna die, right? Like, if they try to leave on this raft... I mean, people, the raft that they're talking about, it's literally, like, six logs tied together with a sail. Like, that's it. And you forgot about their provisions, which we gather later on, which is, I believe, one coconut, two mushrooms, some fish, and some water. Yeah, I think it's like three coconuts, but oh, three coconuts. Yeah, lots better, right? That's fine. Um, But yeah, so um, yeah, Sora is there uh, with Riku and Kairi. Riku is his. Uh, his his best his friend best friend in the world, in the world uh, who has has uh, cool gray anime hair and uh, is kind of bigger and beefier than Sora, but maybe a little older. Maybe a little older. Um, definitely a lot more thoughtful than yes. Sora. So I think he definitely has thought some things through that have never once occurred to Sora to think through. Yeah, not enough to decide that going on the raft is a bad idea. Right. Right. But you know, as much as. As as Riku cares to think about things, it seems. But seriously, where are these children's parents? They have them. They have them. We see, we hear one of them later on. Where are these children's parents, and why are the other kids on this island not like, hey guys, this might not be a great idea. You know, Riku is off, like, gathering stuff for, for the raft when Sora wakes up. But, like... Waka, Titus, and Selfie are just there. They're just there hanging out. They're just there. Well, apparently, Waka, Titus, and Selfie's favorite thing to do all day is give Sora crap. Yeah, they are so mean to Sora. (laughs) So, after you wake up, Kyrie gives you some uh, kind of a a checklist of stuff to go find for the raft. And she wants you to find uh, cloth to use for the sail, a rope, and some logs. So, then you're just kind of set free in the first area of Destiny Islands, which is sort of a good, it's a good like first level for a platform game, it's I would say. It's a good say. playground as it's well good, for exploring yeah. the things that you can do in this game that um, you've never been able to do in a Final I, Fantasy game. Yeah, uh, you know, interacting with objects, climbing up on stuff, finding like secret areas and things. Swimming in the swimming water. In the water. Um, and, uh, you know, it's bright, it's cheerful, it's got really good sort of beach music going on. I love the music. Great music, and the fight music as well. Yeah. This level, super good. It, right. This is the only time yeah. it appears. It's crazy that this is the only time it appears, but you can duel any of the uh, the, the friend characters here, except for Kairi. Uh, can't fight Kairi. Um, Sora would never. Sora would never fight Kairi. Um, but anytime you fight one of them, uh, you do get battle music here, and it's unique to Destiny Islands. Every uh, every different world in these in, in this game has its own different battle music, and uh, that's a really cool thing. And um, I think that you have to fight Riku here. I believe so. I, don't... I believe he's challenged you for the fight, the right to share a special magic fruit with Kyrie. So this scene uh, where they talk about the fruit uh, has has definitely got some energy to it. Definitely has some some prime energy. Some prime romantic like, energy. Extremely going on romantic. Where where Riku comes up to Sora and he's like. Hey, check it. It's a palpu fruit. If you share one of these with somebody, your destinies will be bound together forever. He says this while gazing into Sora's eyes. And then he's like, "Like, so you should share it with Kyrie." Um, but come on, man. We all know. We all know that's not what you want, Riku. No, can't it's... you all just share it together? Right. You know. But there's definitely good, good energy between Sora and Riku yeah. for the entire game. It's it's a very sweet romantic game. It, it very These much is. Boys. 
Um, so you find this stuff. You maybe fight your friends if you want to. Uh, and then the the day kind of ends. This this day on Destiny Island ends. And then we get uh, a new scene with... Uh, we, we get a scene with some other characters that are going to be very important in the game. The Disney characters. Like hey. the, the, the sort of classic Mickey Mouse friends... Uh, characters, uh, we get uh, taken to uh, a, a place that we will later come to know as Disney Castle, which is a great, really cool, really cartoony looking big fantasy castle. It has a very kind of like Disney theme park sort of vibe to it. And Donald Duck is here. He is the, I guess, the court wizard for for King Mickey. Uh, he goes into the throne room. There's some some oddly paced, but you know, pretty pretty committed comedy where he taps on like a big big door, and then a tiny door in it opens up. Uh, goes in. There is no King Mickey here. Oh no! Uh, King Mickey's throne is empty. His dog is there. His you know dog dog, uh, not his dog who's also his you know friend. Uh, Pluto, I mean Pluto, uh, is here, and he's got a letter from King Mickey that disturbs Donald so much that he goes running to find uh, Goofy, who is also a dog, but he's not Mickey's dog. He's just a dog who's a Goofy person. Goofy is a, a um, Canis Goofus, right? It's yes, a that's, right. Genus that's right. That's right. That's um, right. And G- Goofy is napping uh, in the courtyard. He is the uh, leader of the the palace guard, I guess. He has got a great... I love uh, Donald and Goofy's, like, uh, you know, Disney castle costumes. They, they wear... really good. Unfortunately, they get more of their, their classic yeah. cartoon costumes later on. But, but it's kind of a shame, because they do look... They've got very cute, whimsical outfits. I love that Goofy has got, like, he's got, like, one pauldron, and he's got this kind of, like, it, like literally like a stovepipe that is his hat. Um, you know, it's, it's like very funny. it's very funny. It's very cute, and it looks great. I, I just want to say the graphics in this game still look really good. And I know that we've been playing like the HD uh, HD remake of these games, which uh, all they do really is is make the games run better, and they you know make everything much crisper and more smooth. These are essentially the original graphics, and they still look really good, especially in these cutscenes. All the characters here animate beautifully. Um, and they look really good in motion. Uh, of course, all of these have their sort of official Disney voice actors doing their voices, which really adds to the authenticity. But they did a really good job, I think, with making these characters look good in 3D and look like themselves in 3D and not like weird. Like we're not talking about like the weird like like Simpsons video game problem where like everybody looks horrifying the minute you give them, a, you know, actual like sense of, of depth. Um but uh, Donald is disturbed by the information he's received from this letter, and he is trying to caution Goofy not to tell anybody about this. And just at that moment, uh, Queen Minnie and Daisy, wearing very large dresses, sort of loom up in the background. And in scene. And scene. Uh-oh, they got caught. We'll find... We'll find out what they're up to later. Yeah. Because now we're back with the kids on Destiny Island, and they're having a heart-to-heart. Yep. They're think, Or do they talk about leaving the island after they build the... Ra- they are done gathering all the supplies? Which scene comes right now? I think that that one comes later. Okay. So now we're back with the kids on Destiny Island, and they're still gathering their supplies. Yep. It's day two on Destiny Island, and we're in a little bit of a new area. Yep, a new area has opened up. You still have access to the original Destiny Island's area that you were on before, but there's a whole second area now where uh, you get to do a really, really fun foot race with Riku. So much fun. Golly, we everybody loves this part of the uh-huh. game. We're, yeah, um, which really shows off all the um, how good the achievements all the of the platforming in this game. Yeah, most definitely. 
Um, it's bad, folks. It's really bad. It's uh, not you have so to good. jump across some some the tops of some trees to beat Riku to a checkpoint and then come back. Uh, I have not managed to do this any of the times I've played the game as an adult. I think I did do this successfully after many tries back the first time that I played the game, but. Uh, at this point, uh, I don't have time for that, so I didn't do it. Uh, I just let him beat me. Thankfully, the stakes for this foot race are about as low as they get. Yeah, I believe it's challenged it's, for the right to name your raft. Yeah, which uh, Riku tries to mess with Sora at first and be like, like, um, if I win this, the winner gets to share a Paupu fruit with Kyrie, and uh, you know, then he kind of rescinds that and is like, oh, fine, I'll just name the boat instead. Yes. Uh, and you, your default name is Highwind for the boat, which, uh, spoiler alert, you never get on this raft. Nope, this raft is not going to be an issue. But it, just like you, I also never w- was victorious in this challenge, so I don't actually know if you're, um, if this has any effect on the ship you get later, which is also named Highwind. Yeah. I don't know if it gets to be named Your Mom or whatever. Yeah. Uh, whatever you try to name it. Toe Jelly. <laughs> <laughs> it gets to be named Toe Jelly, what everyone picks yeah, for their name. Yeah, that's right. So that's fine. You do the race, and then you get a new mission from Kyrie to gather food Yep. for your trip overseas to another world on yep. your raft. And you've got to, you've got to grab three fish, uh, three coconuts, some water, and some mushrooms, I think, is everything. And all of this is fairly straightforward. How did you do getting the coconuts? Oh, I had such a bad time getting the coconuts. Uh, you have to hit some trees in order to make coconuts fall down. And I did that, but the first coconuts that fell were brown coconuts, which it turns out is not what you're trying to get. They immediately disintegrate. They immediately disintegrate. Uh, so I had to, it took a while for me to remember that you were actually supposed to just keep hitting the coconuts, the, the, the tree, until green coconuts fall. And those are the ones you can yeah. get. Yeah. So yeah, it took me a long old time to do that. Kind of a trick to that. Yeah. Uh, but the other ones are all fairly straightforward, mm-hmm. except for the mushrooms. Yes. Which she, uh, Sora maybe has a little bit of trouble finding and eventually has to crawl into a hole under a tree mm-hmm. into a secret cave that yeah. I, maybe he hasn't been to in a little while. Maybe he hasn't. When he goes in there, he gets kind of a memory. Uh, he rem- he recalls when he and Kyrie were, were little, them... Uh, drawing on the walls of the cave with chalk, uh, or with, like, a chalk, chalky stones, uh, pictures of each other's faces. And while he's gathering the mushrooms and kind of reminiscing, a figure appears and starts talking to him. A spooky figure. A spooky figure, which I will say this for the game's graphics. Um, in the original time I played the game, I feel like this scene was much more poorly lit. Which in some ways actually added to the mystique because you couldn't really see this figure. Uh, in this version of the game, it's much easier to see him, and it's this kind of like dude that that sort of looks like he is completely encased in a burlap sack with a hood cut into it. Uh, it's this weird sort of lumpy brown robe, and man, this dude is just a jerk. He's no he he's he's not so nice to Sora. He gives you some crap. Yeah. Uh, the voice acting for him is really good, though. It is really good. It is uh, one of probably the best celebrity voices in any of the Kingdom Hearts games, honestly. It's Billy Zane. Who knew? Um, and he's just, uh, he's great in this role, which will obviously show up later again. But for now, he's mysterious, and he tells Sora that this world that he is part of has been connected and that Sora is not going to understand any of this. Sora sort of, you know, pushes back and is like, well, I'm going to go out there and see these worlds. I'm going to see them all. And uh, what is what is the, the figure's line? Uh, oh, yeah. So what he says there is those who know nothing can understand nothing. Which is actually, you pointed this out to me, a, a much cleverer thing than just him uh, giving Sora some crap for being a dumb kid. It's not quite so harsh as it sounds. There is a, a double entendre there. Yeah. That um, perhaps in the most charitable interpretation, once Sora 
does learn about the nothing, which is a proper noun. Yes. In this case, then he will he can understand. understand it. Yeah. Or perhaps it's a, there's even a third meaning there that only Sora and his pea brain can understand what's going on. Yeah. With, with this proper noun, nothing. That's right. There's, you know. Entirely possible. I think they're all valid yes, interpretations indeed. of this. So you get these mushrooms. Uh, Sora just kind of, you know, shrugs this off. He doesn't even think about how weird this whole scene was. Um, but he he goes. He, so so one other thing we didn't mention. There is a door here. There's a, a there, weird there wooden, a door wooden door doorway. that's just sort of in the wall of the cave. There's no handle or anything nope. that can't be opened. Um, but Sora doesn't really question that. He doesn't question the weird voice, but he is like, yo, mushrooms. That's and what he's there for, and that's what he wants. He is, uh, is goal-oriented, this Sora. Yes. Um, so he takes these back to Kyrie, and once you've collected all of the foods up, uh, you have a good... You, you have a scene where the, the three friends are kind of discussing what they're about to do and talking about how you know they're excited to go out there and find out what's beyond the horizon essentially we get some good character establishing moments for these three characters yeah Kyrie being kind of uh she seems to have some kind of mysterious past that she does want to know about. Yeah, she's curious. She's a little uh, tentative, a little afraid of what's going to happen, but she she does want to go out there and, and find out the answers to these mysteries regarding herself. Uh, Riku is hungry for knowledge. He really wants to go out there and find out what's 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 happening in the wider world or wider worlds. And Sora is just there. He's just happy to be there. Yeah, Sora doesn't... Sora expressly does not question anything. He's just, you know, he's just like, well, we're here, and that's all that matters, is that we're here. But he is happy to go along for the ride. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we, we get now the sort of second half of the scene with... Donald and Goofy uh, back in Disney Castle. And here we see the text of what Mickey wrote in his letter, which establishes some interesting stuff about Mickey. Uh, Mickey is the king here, and he is a very active king, seemingly. Uh, king of what? I'm not really sure, because this castle, as we'll see in just a couple of minutes, appears to just be floating in space. But he's the king of it, and he is concerned because stars have started going out in the sky. Uh, and all of these stars uh, are things that he's concerned about. They're all other worlds. They're all other seems. worlds. And perhaps Mickey is the king of all of them. Maybe. Although it, it seems like these other worlds aren't aware that he's their king. Right. That's not really how that usually works. Um, and when it does happen like that, usually there's some pushback. But whatever. Um, the point is, Mickey has gone off to try to find answers to this. He's trying to find out what's going on and how to stop it. And in the meantime, he's given his loyal supporters Donald and Goofy a mission to go find the key to our survival and stick with it. Um, so they are now going to head out on a mission of their own. Uh, they're going to head out to, to undergo this mission that Mickey has given them. And they are being uh, sent out with uh, with a, a a few other a few other folks in tow, particularly Jiminy Cricket, who shows up as they're kind of going into the the launch bay for the ship they're going to be taking, and tells them that his world's just gone, like it got destroyed, and uh, he's doesn't know where any of his friends are, but he's gonna just kind of come with you guys and uh, you know document everything that's happening. Jiminy Cricket's trying to keep his chin up. Yep. He's- Got a, he's his... got one skill that he knows how to do, which apparently is chronicling. That's right. And and that's what he's here for. So they get into the gummy ship, which is a ship that looks like it's made out of little Lego bits. And uh, their engineers on this ship are Chip and Dale. They're uh, so chipmunks. Cute. They're adorable. They have aprons, and they look like they are working really hard. And uh, then they are off on their quest uh, as we go back to Sora, and Sora is uh, chilling in his bedroom. His, 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 his perfectly normal, normal bedroom. His normal he kid bedroom in his seemingly very normal house. 
and his mom calls him down for dinner. He has a mom! His mom is, like, you know, expecting him to just come down for for the, the, the evening meal, and he's not going to do that, He though. does not come down for dinner because he notices out the window that a storm is brewing, and his first thought is, oh no, my raft that I built to weather the seas and travel to other worlds. It's, it's going to get, get destroyed. destroyed by this storm. Gotta stop that. So he heads he heads back to the island where the raft is in his little boat that he already has. Seems and, much better than yeah. the raft that they built. And he notices that Riku and Kairi's boats are there too, which means that they're also on the island. And that's concerning. Uh, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. I think he thought he was just going there by himself to save the raft. But there's also some other stuff on the island at this point. Those little shadow guys from Sora's Dream are here. And because all he's got is his wooden toy sword, when you try to hit them, nothing happens. They just make a little thunk sound. Yeah. Um, so if you head off to kind of the pier uh, or, or the, the kind of... The Papu Fruits landing yeah, zone. Um, where you talked to Riku before... You see that Riku is there, and he is surrounded by darkness, and he is psyched about this. He oh, is, he's into it. He is into it. He's like, oh man, this is it. This is how we are going to get to other worlds, is this darkness, uh, which doesn't seem like a good idea, but uh, he certainly thinks it is, and he tells Sora that it's time to go, uh, that he's going to go, that, 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 that they are leaving now. And Sora sees this as... So we've talked about Sora not being the brightest brightest kid uh, on this island uh, before, but he immediately he sees that this, this is not good. Which is that it's mega spooky and bad. So he tries to grab Riku's hand to get him out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't really work. They all no. just get kind of swallowed up by yeah. some darkness, which then fills your screen. Yeah, and then there's a bright light... And you see the word Keyblade repeated over and over again. Sora's back on the island. And he's got a sick Keyblade, which is a giant key that I guess is sharp, maybe. It's sharp or maybe just like really solid, you know. It's real magic. It's very magic. And this key is going to be uh, the the thing that, that actually lets you hurt the shadows. So now you can actually start fighting them. You fight your way back over to the secret place where that weird door was. And the door it's open. It's open and it's different. Uh it's it looks like a real door now. And Kyrie is there and she looks sick. She looks not well. Yeah, this is a pretty creepy scene. Yeah, it is. Um so this is uh, you know, I think it's it's important to note that like Kingdom Hearts has a pretty specific tone that varies between kind of light and goofy, but also also genuinely kind of like creepy and unsettling. And this is maybe Kingdom Hearts at its most unsettling so far. Um, she turns to Sora and haltingly says his name, and then a big gust of wind blows her towards him, where she seemingly disappears. Uh, Sora is swept out of the out of the cave, and the next time he wakes up, he's on a floating piece of land in the ruins of what is left of the island. And that big boy Heartless that he saw in his dream is here too. He's back. He's for back. Revenge. And now you got to fight him. And this is the first kind of you know proper outside of the tutorial fight it's You've a got little... your keyblade which you'll be using which functions a little differently than whatever weapon right have, yeah like in the dream state uh yeah. and it's a, i think a little bit longer of a fight it is yeah it's got more i think it's got more health and it's it's a little bit more of like a real fight than just uh here's like kind of a storytelling thing that teaches you how to use some of the controls but it's mostly the same fight it's pretty much the same fight and it, it's it's still good in the same way as it's over pretty quickly and then uh destiny island you know ceases to be um we then cut to to where wherever donald and goofy are and they see in the sky a star go out as they walk through uh, a city and we pan over and now we see that sora has has been transported here landed in this city in an alleyway He does not look like he's doing great. No, he's he's passed out on the ground. Yeah. uh, But Pluto comes and licks his face Mm -hmm. and wakes him up. 
And then as he walks out into the kind of main area of, of this place where he is, we get the title card for it, and it is Traverse Town. And I gotta say, I forgot that this game did these title cards for every... Uh, every new area. I love them. They're I think really they're really nice. cool. It's a good little introduction to yeah. little arts uh, to tell you the name of the place. And Traverse Town is a weird place. It's always night here. It's, it's uh, you know, a kind of friendly-seeming place, but also uh, just, just sort of strange. Uh, this is where a bunch of people who've lost their worlds have ended up. And I feel like this is the place that has, like, the strongest Disney Disney theme park vibe of anywhere in the game. Yes, it does um, seem like, like it, a place you could be in the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, right. It feels, it. It's got a little bit of, like, a Main Street USA feel, and it's got those kind of big exaggerated details that make everything feel a little cartoonish, even though it's all still, you know, real. And you meet, uh, the first person you meet here is uh, another Final Fantasy character. Well, the first people you can meet are just the random townsfolk. Some weird, creepy townsfolk. Yeah. There are some pretty good ones. There's yeah. a kid who looks a lot like Titus. He's got but he's like, not. the same colors and stuff, but he doesn't seem to recognize Sora. He does say that his world got destroyed. Yeah. Um, there's a lady you meet who says, like, oh, don't talk to me. Everyone's got their own problems here. Uh-huh. But the first named character you meet is another familiar face from Final Fantasy VII this time, uh, Sid Highwind. Yep. And uh, he's uh, he's awfully nice. He's weirdly he's nice. A- he's kind of a little gruff at first, but then he's like, hey, if you run into any trouble, come here. I'll take care of you. It's like, all right, dude, you just met me, but that's that's interesting. He's coming on pretty strong, but at least Sora has uh, has somebody to look after him. So, all of the Final Fantasy characters in this game get voices. Not except Sid. for Sid, and I don't understand why that is. I don't know. Sid has been, I believe, voiced in some periphery material. Yeah, for Final Fantasy I mean, he's VII. definitely in uh, the Final Fantasy VII movie Advent Children, and that's just a movie. Everybody talks in that. Uh, he's not weirdly mute in it or anything, so I don't really get it. But yeah, so he's running like an accessory shop here in in Traverse Town, and Sora kind of just sets off to find figure out what find his friends find Riku and Kairi and what's on his mind and you can kind of wander off into out of the first district of Traverse Town where there's no no combat or anything into the second district where uh it's full of monsters which is full of monsters full full of monsters um and once you finish there i think i'm getting the order of this right i think you do have to go through everywhere you can yeah. go and we i think we get a couple scenes um that will become kind of a theme throughout the game <laughs> missed connections it's so these are so frustrating they're where so frustrating, basically but they're Sora, pretty poetic they're, yeah so Sora will go like through a doorway or out of like kind of one area and then just like seconds later we'll see Donald and Goofy go into that area and it's like they've they've just barely missed meeting just each other. Just by a moment. And they are, it turns out, kind of looking for each other. So once you, you, uh, you know, scout through all of the, you can get through Traverse Town, you get back to um, I, I think the... You go back to District 1 because you, you can't District go any 1. further. And you meet some other folks you, here. You meet some other folks. Uh, a, a, a young man who is calling himself Leon, we find, but we all know... Is, is very Squall definitely Squall Leonhart from Final Fantasy VIII. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about celebrity voice acting, because this game has a lot of it. And we already mentioned Billy Zane, who's probably Billy like... Billy Zane on the top He's on the, on the one tier. end of the spectrum yes. as the best of these. Here on the other end of the spectrum, we have David Boreanaz. Yeah, who uh, is... a fine actor. But God, he does not sound like he's into this at all. He doesn't want to be in this video game, I don't think. No, no, I don't think so. I think he, he had to do this out of some kind of obligation, is what it seems like, because I've never heard anybody be less into... Uh, you know, doing doing a, a voice like this. Perhaps then. he's trying to channel the character who also does not seem to want to be there. No, it's true. And so Squall's like, hey, you gotta give me that Keyblade now. And then you fight. Then you fight. And you can either win this fight or lose it, and the same thing basically happens. Uh, if you lose the fight, you just get knocked out, and the game continues on. If you win it, uh, Sora, Sora just kind of passes out from exhaustion. Uh, but either way, uh, you wake up in a, in a in a hotel room elsewhere in Traverse Town, 
being watched over by someone that at first sort of mistakes for Kyrie, uh, but it turns out is actually a Final Fantasy VII character, Yuffie, who is uh, there basically with with Squall Leon uh, to deliver some exposition. And at the same time, in an adjacent hotel room, uh, Donald and Goofy are talking to Aerith from Final Fantasy VII, who's giving them a, a, a different set of exposition. Between the two, they cut back and forth. Uh, you do get a fuller sense of what's going on. Squall was trying to get the Keyblade away from Sora because that's how the Heartless were apparently tracking him, which... You know what? He could have just told him that. That that didn't, he didn't need to just come in and and you know beat down this twelve year old that he uh, is you know supposedly trying to protect. So a little hasty and ill advised, but that's fine, Leon. Where uh, Aerith is is telling Donald and Goofy about uh, the, the the there was a a researcher named Ansem who was researching the Heartless, researching the the thing that's going on with the stars going out. Uh, but he's disappeared, and the report that he'd written has been scattered all across the multiverse. At this point, Heartless attack again, and uh, everybody rushes off to fight them. Uh, Donald gets slammed uh, up against a door and flattened like a cartoon pancake. And, uh, and Sora, Sora runs right over him, right? Yeah, Sora runs right over him. Leon and Sora jump out of a window and fight some Heartless. And then uh, you can continue on at this point. Uh, I think Leon is like, go fight their leader. And at this point, you can get into the third district, which you haven't been able to get into up to this point. And here is finally, finally where Sora, Donald, and Goofy all meet up. And they get. They all literally run into each other. They all literally run into each other. And it's good that they did this right now because now they're going to fight a big boy. Guard Armor Heartless. Big hefty boy. Um, who's. This is sort of the first time you get a sense for how combat in this game is really going to work because this is the first time you're fighting anything with your party members with you as well. Uh, the guard armor, I think, is a really fun boss. I think it's it's got a really uh, really neat design. It's it's you know basically kind of a Rayman sort of thing. Uh, it's four floating limbs, four and floating body limbs, and, head. and you can attack them all individually. They all make great chunky metal sounds when you hit them, and uh, you can. They've all each got individual life bars, so you can smash all of them separately, like big pinatas full of life orbs, it's and. Great. Uh, yeah, I don't like, so we are, like I said before, playing the final mix versions of these games. I did not realize until playing this, there are some aesthetic changes in this game. Uh, particularly in this case, they changed the color of the guard armor heartless, uh, from like this kind of like nice purple color that it was in the original game to like, like red and yellow, kind of like, kind of, yeah, he's got kind of a, a, a hot dog condiment situation going on here i'm not a huge fan of that i don't know why they made this choice maybe to give it a little more contrast maybe um, so yeah but I, I agree i think that the guard armor was very handsome in his purple and it looks a little silly it's still all right as a, as a big hot dog but he's fine and it's fun to bust open his hands and feet yep and uh, it's a good fight and then afterward donald and goofy and sora all decide that maybe they can all look for their friends together yeah uh, donald and goofy see that sora has a big old key and yeah. you think hey that's the key but they know they can't take it from him because and it's bonded to him that's as right has been explained and i'm gonna say this right here donald duck is a liar and possibly a sociopath because they are having this nice friendly interaction where he's like hey maybe where Sora's like hey maybe I can go with you guys and find my friends too and Donald's like yeah sure buckle up and Goofy takes Donald aside and is like do we know that we can find his uh, uh, do you think we can find his friends and Donald's like, who knows, but we need that key. Um, so he's just lying to him and trying to, like, make him be happy, even though They he's... say their ship runs on smiles. Which I've also learned, uh, actually, um, after the fact, 
That's literal, it turns out. Oh. That's not actually him doing, like, a metaphor there. Oh. Um, the ship is actually powered by happiness, is apparently. Is that why it crashes when they have their argument Yeah, later? I think it is. Oh. Um, yeah, no, that's literal, it turns out. Well, you know what? I guess Donald's doing what he has to do. And I it's guess good so. That he, uh, Maybe he's just a pragmatist. He's just a pragmatist, and you know, even sociopaths need jobs. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, maybe Mickey hired him for a reason. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a Snape Dumbledore situation. Yeah, he's he's the he's the hatchet man in in the yeah. administration. I feel like clearly, you know. <laughs> Um, so they all head off together, and now we pull back and we get one final scene here, and it is our first shot, our first, our first uh, glimpse of kind of the villain, the Disney villains round table, and it's it's several shadowy figures that you can tell who they are if you have even a little bit of familiarity with Disney because they're. Character so outlines. Are, who's that Pokemon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, their their character designs are very distinctive, and they all have their classic voices. And man, these voice actors are just killing it. Yeah. Uh, in this, um, you know, they're talking about how, you know, the trio that's setting out all look like just idiots, basically, um, and also talking about their plans, uh, something to do with some princesses. Uh-oh. And I love this scene because it is it is another example of the great. Like the just like perfect fusion of the uh, you know the the Disney characters and and the Disney sort of feel and tone to these characters with a scenario that you would absolutely see in a ton of Japanese RPGs. All the villains sitting around plotting and talking about their grand you know current currently completely obscure plans. And uh, they've got some of those, it turns out. They are they are rare enough to do some stuff. And who do we have here? We've got the Oogie Boogie Man, Captain Hook, Ursula, uh, Hades, Hades is, there. is there, and Maleficent. Yes, and, and as we pan around, we see Maleficent is kind of at the head of the Yeah, table she is the leader. Hades She's really the, the only leader. one that we get, I think, a, a clear shot of her in this. And that's sort of where we, we leave it, I guess. Um, one thing I will mention is that at the end of uh, this whole sequence, before you head out, Goofy gives Sora the dodge roll ability. Thank goodness. And it is absolutely wild to me that the game waits until you're like two hours into the game to give you the dodge move that is like a core part of movement in the Kingdom Hearts games. None of them would ever do this again. Every other Kingdom Hearts game after this would just start you with that because it's a fundamental part of your ability set. But here, it's actually a thing you have to equip once you get it. It's always taking up space. I don't get this. I believe even in the other games, it is equipped and taking up ability points, yeah. and you could unequip it if you mm-hmm. want to. But why would you? You would why never on do earth it. Would it's you like do that? the most fun part of moving around yeah. in the game. Yeah, like, and it's very necessary, I feel like, in order to play the game it, well. It's definitely necessary to do well on the fights because there's a lot of times when you are dodging out of the way of attacks right. that you can get to the enemy in time to hit them while they're still moving. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much where we're at at this point. And, uh, you know, how are you feeling about it at this point? Oh, yeah, I'm feeling great. This is such a fun game. It really is. It's fun to play. I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about enough about this. I think this game, the weirdness of the jumping, the bad platforming notwithstanding... Like, combat in this game feels good, and it is fun to explore these environments. It's fun to play. It's fun to just go around and find out what NPCs are saying. Mm-hmm. It's fun to look at. It, like, looks fun and cute. And it's, uh, you know, I've got a lot of good memories with this game. And um, it's, I'm glad they re- they put it out on the PlayStation 4 and other systems again mm-hmm. so that, I mean, I don't have a PS2 anymore. Right, yeah. Um well, and also this game plays tremendous. The, the updated version of this game, the, the the HD remix of it, plays tremendously well. I mean, it's it you know loads incredibly fast. It you know runs at sixty frames per second. It's an ideal way to play this game as it originally existed. I think. Yes, I don't think I don't think we're really losing much mm. from the original experience of playing the game with no. this remix, as you sometimes find with re-releases. Yeah, no, I think this is a really well done one, and it does feel. You know, it feels good to come back to this. Like, I had such fond memories of this game. And 
it's really nice to see that that going back to it a lot of what i liked about it still is there it still holds up and it still affects me the same way it's nice and that it, it wasn't just all the time that it came no. out or or the novelty of it it's, it really is a good game with yeah. a compelling story and characters and mm-hmm. design and it really kind of i think stakes its claim early on for what's different and unique about kingdom hearts and it's this tone it's the feel of of these characters and the the weird sort of uh, you know uh, way in which the disney and the squaresoft sides of this come together to create something new you know it's it's really fun to come back to it and see that it's all still there more or less as i remembered it and uh, i'm i'm excited to to continue on and to finally be going to some actual disney world so where are we going to be going in our next episode? So we are going to set out for Wonderland Land All right. in our next episode, and we will see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kingdom Hearts Coast to Coast. Our intro and outro feature the song Trinity by T. Spiro on ocremix.org. To contact the show, send us an email at kingdomheartsc2c at gmail.com with the numeral 2, or follow us on Twitter at khcoast2coast, again with the numeral 2. Remember to subscribe, and join us again next time as we drop into Wonderland. お母さんのよ帰り。そっちが勝手に驚いたんじゃない。そろそろサボる頃だと思ったんだよね、空は。<笑>